Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to Caregiver Speak. I want to thank our listeners today. This is Marjorie Pabst, your host uh, with MyCaregivingCoach.com. I want to thank our sponsor, eCareDiary.com. And I'm so delighted to have as our guest today, Dr. Barry Jacobs and Dr. Julia Mayer. Our topic today, finding gratitude and positive meaning in family caregiving. And we were just talking before we went on air about the importance of thinking about the positive meaning in the role that we call caregiving. Today's guests are the co-authors of the AARP Meditations for Caregivers, Practical, Emotional, and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family, which was published just last year by DeCapo. Barry and Julia have been married for over 26 years, so this is really a family affair and a passion for them and for all of us, lucky for us, I should say. Their book tells the stories of nearly 150 caregivers who struggled to find caregiving's potential positive rewards. Dr. Barry Jacobs is a clinical psychologist a family therapist and the director of behavioral sciences for the Crozer Keystone Family Medicine Residency Program in Springfield, Pennsylvania. He's a national spokesperson on family caregiving for the American Heart Association and a blogger on family caregiving for AARP.org and the Huffington Post. He is also the author of the Emotional Survival Guide for Caregivers, Looking Out for Yourself and Your Family While Helping an Aging Parent. And that was published by Guyford in 2006. Um, look for that book as well. I have read that book and I, it's marvelous as well. Uh, Dr. Barry Jacobs received his doctorate in psychology from Heinemann Widener University. Dr. Julia Mayer is a clinical psychologist as well with a pra- private practice in Media, Pennsylvania, where she specializes in women's relationship issues, including family caregiving. She is the author of the 2014 novel, A Fleeting State of Mind. I want to read that. Julia, it sounds fascinating. Uh, Dr. Julia Mayer received her doctorate in psychology from Widener University. And welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you, Marjorie. Well, let me start with you, Barry. Um, why did you write the book, this your latest book, with you, you and Julia, on the AARP Meditations for Caregivers? Uh, we wrote the book, Marjorie, for both uh, personal and professional reasons. Uh, personally, in the last eight years, we had taken care of uh, Julia's father and then more recently my stepfather and mother, uh, and we had uh, we had a lot of our own personal experiences that we were trying to process. Uh, and so the, this book has, as you mentioned, has over 150 stories of caregivers, including uh, many of our own stories and stories of other family members in, in our families. And that is uh, the book. Writing the book has, has, has helped us uh, understand our own experiences and to try to make positive meaning of those experiences. Uh, professionally, we've both uh, provided psychotherapy for family caregivers for many years, uh, both adult children caring for aging parents and uh, 
uh, spouses caring for uh, for ill spouses. And we have uh, found that many caregivers need inspiration, that, that the work is very hard, uh, and that uh, they need to hear stories of other caregivers who've, who've managed to, to find ways of, of, of making uh, good out of, out of this work. Well, you know, you mentioned that is so interesting because when I was a caregiver, I can remember really thinking I was all alone in this. I was totally all alone. And so the power of the story, uh, sharing the commonalities and the differences with other caregivers, that is, I think you've hit on it. It's one of the most meaningful things. So as you compared and contrasted your, your personal experiences, Julia, with that of other caregivers, what were some of the um, discoveries or observations that you made? I think uh, I had been treating people who were caregivers over the years uh, increasingly as more and more people become caregivers. It's, they've shown up in my practice more. Um, but when I myself became a caregiver to my father, um, along with my siblings, after my mother died suddenly and she had been his caregiver, things really changed. I learned a lot that I thought I, you know, I thought I knew what it meant to be a caregiver, but until I experienced it myself, uh, I really hadn't known. I didn't know the pain there was in it, and I and I didn't know the joys that could be found in it until I was doing it myself. And and certainly when we wrote the book, it was extremely valuable for both of us um, to write a, parts of our own stories, our own caregiver journeys, um, as a way to sort of process what we had been through and and the meaning that it had. So. Um, I think it makes me better at helping the caregivers who come in to see me now that I've lived through it myself. Well, you both mentioned just how it was almost a, it was a therapeutic thing for you to begin with, to write about it. And I can't help but think that uh, for some of those caregivers out there who like to write or like to read or like the written word, and that it's probably very helpful if we encourage them to be to journal, maybe not write a book like you all did, but you know, maybe so. Maybe it's the next caregiving book out there. But to just write things down, is that something that you found helpful for caregivers that you work with? Either absolutely. Either of you can answer that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, both of us um, could speak to this. We we recommend to our clients frequently that they just keep a little journal, whether they write three sentences or express some intense feelings that they're having. It is such a wonderful thing for so many reasons. It gives them a chance to reflect on what they've experienced, and there it is on paper or on the computer so that they can look back on it months or even years later and they can recognize their growth because years later they may feel very differently about what they experienced than at the time. So writing it is a great way to reflect on it, to process it, to have a record, and and really later to sort of plumb some meaning from it. That that you know what we are hoping for caregivers is that they feel um, that that sometimes caregiving is transformative, and certainly when you write about it or or you paint or you do something creative around the feelings and the experiences, you definitely gain insight and, and just more knowledge, and, and you grow. Yeah, that's great. And um, I'm, I'm going to make the uh, connection that, that a lot of doing writing or painting or any of the arts, that that might be one of the ways to 
think about the positive nature of one's caregiving. Would would that be a fair assessment, Barry? Uh, yes. So you know, the arts allow people to reflect on their experiences, and that's you know a lot of times caregivers are so mired in the in the day to day details and really the day to day drudgery of what they have to do that they they lose the forest for the trees and being able to write or paint or uh, or even make a, a, a some people now with their iPhones make make videos. Uh, but to, to put some thought into it, to reflect on what one's experience is, uh, gives people a different perspective. And as Julie mentioned, helps people derive uh, positive meaning from, from those experiences. I also think that there's something about being involved in writing and other arts where you, you get into a bit of a trance uh, and that, you, know, you get really lost in, in the writing itself and the words. Uh, and that in and of itself, I think, is therapeutic for people. Uh, through a lot of the particularly early years of, of caring for my mother, I, I kept a caregiving diary. Uh, the truth is I have never gone back and reread any of the things that I wrote, uh, but it, do- doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I, 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 the fact that I wrote them um, at the time helped me uh, gain a sense of perspective, but, but also a sense of calm as I was writing, and that calm helped me uh, deal with some of the, the, the challenges at that time. Yeah. Um, I can confirm that I've done the same thing, and I know many of our listeners have as well. So the word meditations in your uh, the title of your book, um, I'm assuming that a lot of what we're talking about right now it, is part of the meditative things that you suggest for caregivers, that they, part of the, as part of their meditation, that they write things down or that they um, just sit in a corner and, Muse and think about them, and tell us a little bit more about the meditative quality of what you're suggesting. Um, I I think what we were talking about was a number of things, but absolutely what you're saying is 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 true. We want people to reflect. So it's 150 stories, um, and those are sort of meditations. You know, you read about what somebody went through, um, a challenge that they overcame. Um, finding a way to laugh with their loved one when they're grieving, just uh, reflecting on the process and, and, and the relationship, that's a meditative process. There are also some of the stories are not stories. They're actual meditations. There's a walking meditation. There are um, ways to reflect before going to sleep so that you rest better. So there are some actual meditative exercises in the book. And then we, uh, on, with, at the end of each story, we have a little bit of advice or a sort of a summary of, of what you might derive as useful from each story. And, and that's something to meditate on during the day, just to think over. That sounds great. I can hardly wait to do <laughs> some of these meditations. That's terrific. So um, I want to ask you as we step back and say, okay, you've talked to 150 and probably many more caregivers and what if you could just capsulize what are the biggest challenges Barry facing caregivers that prompted you to write about these meditations that would help people during their days? I think one of the biggest challenges is something that you just mentioned a few minutes ago and that is uh, people feel very much alone and even though there are radio shows such as this one and many caregiving books such as ours and lots of caregiving websites out there now, many more now than, than existed uh, 20 years ago uh, when I first started getting into this field. Uh, many people 
find themselves alone and uh, and really at, at sea. They're not really sure how to proceed. And so by reading other people's stories, by uh, kind of hearing some of their evolutions, our hope is that, is that we're going that the caregivers are who, who are reading our book are going to gain a, a sense of hope and, and also a sense of direction uh, for for their own work. Uh, other challenges for caregivers uh, include uh, actually managing the day-to-day tasks while still caring for themselves. I mean, finding that balance between self-care and caring for others uh, is a perennial challenge. Uh, there are folks who do it better than others. And, you know, the, the, the metaphor that we use time and again uh, is uh, caregiving is not a sprint. Caregiving is a marathon. And in order for people to make it from the start to the, end, to the finish of caregiving, uh, like running a marathon, they need to pace themselves. Uh, they need to take in replenishment. And oftentimes they need to run alongside others uh, who uh, can cheer them on um, and so that they can actually sustain themselves over the course, uh, the very long course of this race. Uh, so th- those are just, just a couple of the things that we focus on with caregivers. And then finally, you know, we, uh, for many caregivers, uh, those who are, are really suffering with what they're doing, they will tell us that they feel trapped by caregiving or they feel uh, that uh, the caregiving is, is, uh, is, is just smothering them. Um, and that, you know, concerns us a lot. And instead, we want to help people step back and, and take a, a long view on what they're doing. We often ask caregivers, uh, five years from now, as you look back on, on what you're doing now, how do you think you'll regard what you're doing now? Uh, and, and by asking that question, we're asking people to project into the future and then look backwards and, and gain that long view and, and maybe see some of the good that they're doing that in, in their day-to-day life that they, they're, they're somehow missing. Uh, so we want people to, to, to find the, the, the moral and personal reasons why, why they're caregiving and to really uh, appreciate themselves for, for the good work that they're doing. That's terrific. Um, I often say to caregivers, you're doing the best you can until identify what the best things are that you're doing. Um, and Julia, I know in the book you talk a lot about positive caregiving. And so give us, what do you mean by that? Give us a couple of examples of positive caregiving in this marathon uh, that Barry talks about. Absolutely. The, the positives are, are what we really need to seek out and find in order to continue on that marathon as long as we need to. What's amazing to me, and I definitely experienced this myself through caregiving and, and definitely through working with my clients and talking to friends and family members, so many people are caregivers, that a lot of people say that they have a sense of personal and or spiritual growth that they gain from doing the caregiving work. It's meaningful to people, and um, even when they're complaining about it, and, and I don't want to minimize the challenges because they are often intense and it isn't just the caregiving it's it's dealing with end-of-life issues and loss and so but the positives are, um, are can stay with you for years later um, I know a lot of people including myself feel as a result of being a caregiver a sense of competence and mastery over things like you know navigating the medical system or figuring out what pills the person needs to take or solving little everyday problems that are challenging. Um, we have a s- simple story in the book about somebody whose mother 
shared her home, and the mother wandered at night. She had Alzheimer's. And the woman finally figured out that all she needed to do was put a little baby monitor in. And then she didn't have to keep jumping up and running over every time she heard a noise, worried that her mother was going to fall out of bed. So there are these simple solutions that you can feel very good about figuring out or using. I think a lot of people gain a sense of confidence as they are caregivers, and they and they sort of find their way through all kinds of challenges. I think a lot of people feel um, very good about what they're doing. It's a gratifying task to take care of a loved one, even if that loved one was somebody who, you know, wasn't the perfect parent or spouse. But doing the caregiving is a rewarding experience because you feel like a good person. You're doing the right thing. You're giving back to somebody. Um, it's, it's just a, it can be a very positive feeling that you're you know every day you're waking up and if, even though it's hard you're doing good work. Yeah. A lot of people have an enhanced sense of purpose. And then the last thing I think there are probably many more, but the last thing I want to mention is that a lot of people um, what we try to help people do is improve their family relationships. It's an opportunity to improve the relationship with the care receiver and sometimes with siblings or other relatives who are involved in the care as well. Yes, um, thank you. I've, I've experienced all of what you've said. And my brother, who is a good bit younger than I, became much closer when we had to be caregivers for our, our parents. And um, I've, you know, I hold that dear as a dear experience that continues. So, Barry, for caregivers listening to us out there, and, you know, because we're all saying, yeah, this, this, there are these rewards. We've experienced them. What about somebody out there listening today thinking, hmm, how can I get those rewards? I'm not sure I can get those. Well, I and I can appreciate that uh, many people who are feeling really bedraggled and beleaguered, you know, when we talk about the positive rewards of caregiving, you know, the first thing that, for their first reaction is to say, what are you talking about? Uh, I, I, I guess I, I would, would invite them to just hear other people's stories. Uh, you know, we're a very large group of, of, of Americans that are providing care for loved ones. I think that right now that, you know, estimates that there are about 43 million of us and that there, you know, there's a, a real range of experiences and there are people who thrive in the role and there are people who uh, really suffer in the role um, and we don't expect everyone to to be uh, happy all the time being a caregiver. I think it's 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 much too challenging uh, an endeavor to, to to feel happy all the time. Um, but what we really rec- suggest is that people step back and reflect on their experiences. We often try to help people identify the choices, the reasons that underlie the choice of, of being a caregiver, and so. We will ask people in our psychotherapy sessions, why do you do all that you do for your loved one? I just asked that of someone last night, um, and this is someone who's caring for his mother who's in an assisted living facility. She has very bad uh, COPD, and he goes literally every night uh, to make sure that her oxygen tank is filled and that that she's, she's as happy as can be. And when I asked him that question, you know, he, he gave me some very good answers, you know, that his mother took very good care of him, and now he wants to take good care of her. You know, he wants to give back. Uh, that he doesn't think anyone else is going to be able to care for her or care as much for her as, as he will. Um, and, and so 
with those reasons in mind, I, I was been able to say to him, I think what you're doing for your, your mother is wonderful, and I want to help you do as much of it as you can uh, for as long as you choose to do it. Um, and I, I, I then say, said to him, and I, I think the choices, you know, the reasons that you're doing what you're doing are, are really, uh, really suggest that you're a very good son, that your mother's very lucky to have you in her corner. Um, so I think when, when people look at the, the personal, uh, moral, and, and sometimes spiritual reasons why they make the choice to be a caregiver, uh, and they, they, kind of, they can step back and, and really appreciate the, those reasons, I think that oftentimes they come away with, with a greater positive sense of what they're doing and don't feel so bogged down in, in the everyday details. And, you know, you're encouraging people to hear other people's stories and to tell their own. It says to me, back to this issue of being alone or feeling alone, to seek out uh, groups, support groups, or perhaps people at a, if you're affiliated with a church, to make sure that you're in the company of other people who can lift your spirits and, and you can laugh together and, and listen to one another's stories. Absolutely. I mean, that, that sense of community is an extremely important source of support for people, and we know that caregivers more than anything need support and validation in order to continue doing the work over the long haul. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Julia, let's go back because both of us, you, you mentioned family relationships can be um, improved, and I've certainly experienced that. So... How can, let's look at a specific example, I'm sure you know. How can family relationships be strengthened by experience of caring for an ill or a disabled loved one? How, how, do, how can that work? Well, I can give you my own personal experience. Um, I, I think, though, overall, uh, the goal is, it, when you're a caregiver, to invite others to join you and do what they are capable of and try to hold back on judgment and expectations and accept either siblings or other family members or whoever it is where they are. They may not be able to do as much as you can, but that doesn't mean you want to judge them. You want to invite them to play whatever role they're capable of. And I think it requires a level of compassion that we often neglect to uh, access. But I, I think in order to build relationships with our family members, we need compassion for them. We have to get rid of focusing on the old family dynamics of whatever it was co competing for dad's approval or, or um, you know, f disagreeing over silly issues and focus on, you know, what is meaningful, what do we want to build. Long after the person receiving care passes away, we still have our siblings, and, and how do we want that to look, you know, what is important. And I can tell you in my family um, my older brother and I have eh, not been that close. We live about three hours apart. I love him dearly, but, you know, our lives have grown separately because we, we don't live near each other. But after my mother passed away, he and I did most of the care. I commuted every other weekend, and he was doing a lot of direct care for my dad. My brother was a terrible teenager. He would run away from home. He dropped out of high school. He caused my parents so much grief. He pulled himself together, he got his GED, he went to the Navy for a few years, and he put himself through nursing school, and ultimately he became an attorney. But that was, you know, over decades. And so when it was time to take care of my dad, my brother was absolutely determined 
to take care of him and to make up for some of the suffering he had put my parents through to redeem himself. It was extremely meaningful for him, and he and I would talk about it and, and you know, what it meant for him to take care of my dad, and I would try to, you know, come as often as I could, even though we had teenage kids at the time. I was there every other weekend, and just to give him a break. But a lot of times he would join us for dinner anyway because it was just great to have us all together. So I think, you know, you, you think about the people specifically and, and who they are and what's meaningful to them in order to be compassionate with your family in order to try to get closer. And it is so rewarding. It's worth the effort. Wonderful example. And uh, we can all relate to that brother or sibling or sister who we sort of thought was pretty weird at one point in our lives and how we how all of us then can be uh, redeemed together um, around a challenging situation like caregiving. So, I, you know, we are very close here to being at the end of our time. I can't believe it. So, but I want you all to... Um, Think about this book, those of you who are listening to us, AARP Meditations for Caregivers, Practical Emotional and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family. And I'm so intrigued by this notion of being able to step back during the day, certain times of the day, and being able to find the positive in what you're doing and to find it through a meditation that's suggested in the book. Um, this sounds to me like an incredibly practical book for all of us. And I encourage um, you to, to get a hold of this book. So now, Dr. Jacobs and Dr. Mayer, uh, tell us about how we can find your book and about your Facebook page and so on. Uh, the book is, is available in many Barnes & Nobles around the country, and it's uh, readily available on, the, on Amazon. Uh, as you know, under AARP Meditations for Caregivers, we have a Facebook page under AARP Faith, uh, Meditations for Caregivers that has lots of the blog posts and radio interviews that we've been doing. Has a lot of information about the book itself, um, and uh, you know we invite your your listeners to to check out our Facebook page, like our fa- Facebook page, uh, in, in order to learn more about uh, the book and and the work that we're doing. Um, in addition, I would draw you all to uh, both MyCaregivingCoach.com and eCare Diary where you'll find that uh, Dr. Jacobs' Affirmations for Caregivers, New Year's Affirmations, is a blog that you'll see on both of those websites. And it's absolutely delightful. So I would draw your attention to that as well. So in the last couple of minutes before we close, is there something I haven't asked that you all would like to tell our listeners about? I think um, what I always think about with caregivers is they are so focused on taking such good care of their loved one that they don't always think about themselves. And so in whatever way we can encourage caregivers to, to appreciate their own efforts, to reflect on the good work that they're doing, to allow themselves to feel good. I'm a good person. I'm doing a good thing. And um, to just appreciate themselves. Sometimes we get appreciation from other people, but sometimes we we just need to also take care of our own selves that way. That that is a terrific point. And um, 
Um, by the way, Dr. Jacobs and Dr. Mayer will be back um, in the spring, or probably in May, and I'm thinking that the whole notion of affirmations for ourselves might be a really great topic to develop, delve into that, that. I know that when I've mentioned this to people, they go, well, how would I write an affirmation? What would that look like? How could I think about that? And I bet that Dr. Jacobs and Dr. Mayer will have some very specific ways that we can all think about affirmations for taking care of ourselves. So thank you both so much for being with us today. Um, thank you to our listeners. I want to remind everybody there will be an archive online very soon, um, probably in the next 24 hours of this show. If you have a friend who didn't hear it or if you'd like to hear it again, you can listen back to the archive. Thanks again very much to both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, and have a great day. Goodbye.